This is the Non-Microwave Truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Thanks to the people who hit me up with some podcast ideas, some possible series that I could do. I think I'm going to actually be able to get to a lot of them and make it happen. I might not be able to get to them all, but I'm going to be able to get to a good amount of them. So thank you. And to the people that have written a review, hit the five star. Bless your heart. That's a great way for more people to actually hear the podcast and hear God's word because reviews actually matter. And this is our first world problem question today. How often do you write reviews for things that you use or do or visit? So example, like if you go to a good restaurant, do you write a review? And I really started thinking about this in the last few weeks because I've been looking up hotels and I actually do go look and read the reviews. And if people are like, yeah, this hotel is trash. Don't go here. I don't go there. And I know reviews aren't 100 percent accurate all the time because I was just reading one on this restaurant and it was it was mixed reviews. It was some people like this restaurant is awesome. The food is great. And some people like this restaurant sucks. They had me waiting an extra 30, 40 minutes. And part of the second part of our first world problem question is this. What type of reviews do you think Jesus would have from people who heard his sermons? What type of reviews do you think he would have if you were to go Google Jesus's sermon on the Mount? Now, believe it or not, I think those sermons would without a doubt be a 10 out of 10, but I don't think he would have a 10 out of 10 on his Google review or on his rating because I could see the Pharisees. They wouldn't use their real names. They would create a fake account. They would go on there and they would write a review about Jesus. Or actually, they wouldn't be the type to write a review. They would just give him like a two out of a five star. And it's like, bro, this is Jesus. Did you hear that? This is Jesus. Now, as you know, of course, back then they didn't have Google. They don't have the Internet. Nobody really was writing reviews like that. But we're talking about if he was in today's world. What type of reviews and ratings with Jesus. So this is a two-part first world problem question. First one is, do you write reviews usually? Or what do you write reviews on? And the second part is, if Jesus was in our world today, what do you think his rating or reviews would be for his sermons or the things that he talked about? Remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. And you know what? This should spark your motivation. If you like the podcast, Write a review, hit the five star, and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Label This. This is a topic that's been on my mind for some time, for a few weeks at the very least, because we are constantly putting labels on people we constantly have labels on ourselves and if you're wondering what a label is just google it it says labeling is this when you assign to a category especially inaccurately or restrictively and i'm telling you we allow the devil we allow our culture to control the narrative and the definition of our labels that we give people and at the end of the labels that we have of ourselves and that's what the devil does. He's, he's the master of lies. The first lie that he usually tries to get us with is, you know, who is God really? Like, is that really God? 
And the second lie, the lie we're really looking at today is who we are. He's trying to get us away from who God says we are. And that's something that our sinful nature does. That's something that this culture and the world that we live in constantly is doing. And the question I love to ask, I love to ask this question, especially when I just see someone, I'm like, who are you? I love to ask that question. I've told you all that before. And just think about that. What labels do you have attached to who you are as a person? What labels have been given to you? What labels are inaccurate that you think or know that the average person would think when your name gets mentioned? And a lot of times the labels that are there from our world or from our culture and especially from our sinful flesh and from the devil, those labels are there to either make us feel really, really special or really, really distinct. Distinct to the point that we want to get away from God's label. Like that's the trick. And just think about something like this. And you might be like, still, you're taking it too far. But I really just want you to think about this. A hundred years ago, or let's just say maybe 50 years ago, if you saw a girl who liked to play basketball, who liked to go play outside, who liked to be with the boys, you would just say, you know what? She's a tomboy. And that's how she would get depicted on TV 50 years ago. But now, most likely people are going to be like, oh yeah, she's gay. She should switch her identity. She should be trans. They should do this. They should do that. If the parents don't want to give into that, they're repressing who she really is as a person. And these type of labels, these type of messages are getting pushed on a person where all of a sudden they're restricted. So in today's world, in 2022, if she likes doing, I put air quote, boy things, then she's gay or she needs to switch her gender. She's assigned to that category and she res she is restricted to be in that category. That is something that is being pushed down people's throat. And it's one of those things that's kind of like low-key trying to brainwash us. Uh, another example was would be, let's say we have a boy who does, I would say, more feminine. I put things, quote air quotes around that too, more feminine things. Like he likes to sing. He likes to dance. What if he even likes to play with Barbies? Or you know what? When he goes to the basketball games, he's not even interested in the basketball game. He's more interested in the cheerleaders and what they're doing. And because we as people, and I'm definitely putting myself in this category, we have assigned all of these labels or assigned these categories. If you do that, then this means this. We can start to restrict people in a very negative, ungodly way. And we also can start to project things on people. And I just want you to think about this. Sometimes technology and the ability to do more is the problem. Give humans what they want, the devil whispers. And you think about this, 300 years ago, people weren't switching genders like this and definitely not medically trying to. That is a label from the devil in the vessel of what's seen on TV or in social media, or in music music videos. Options sometimes are the worst thing possible. And again, I'm talking about like, you know, eight, nine-year-old kids, and I'm really getting at the fact that we're assigning to a category, especially that's inaccurate, or it's so restrictive. It's so, 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 so restrictive. 
it's hard to come back from that, bro. Now, I know I use some very drastic examples with labeling, but I want to look at the Bible and some individuals in there who were labeled. Some of the labels are actually good labels, but they ended up being bad. And then some of them are just flat out bad labels that people had to overcome. These are more so labels that you and I would struggle with today. All right. First person, Samson in the Bible. Samson's label was the super strong dude. And when you think about that for yourself, that's like when we hang our hat on our talents and our gifts. And again, Samson is in Judges chapter 13. He had the label of a strong dude and that went to his head. When you think about your gifts, when you think about your talents, are you humble with it or are you pretty prideful with it? Are you arrogant with it? Samson got to the point that he forgot where his crazy superhero strength came from. And you're like, well, how strong was he? This is the same dude who whooped a whole bunch of dudes with a donkey's jawbone. Like Samson was a bad man. He's like one of them superhero dudes. You watch Batman or Superman or something, they whooping everybody like that's not realistic. Well, that was Samson in real life. And the reason I said that he forgot where his crazy superhero strength came from and why I said this is because He told his toxic girlfriend his secret to his strength. Like he was loving to flirt with temptation. He was literally sleeping with the enemy. The enemy was like, hey, Delilah, you got your man, Samson. Tell us how dude is so strong. Please, please tell us. And Samson flirted with temptation. Samson eventually told her the secret to his strength, which was to cut off his hair. Go read about this in Judges. And this is one of those tricky things because we like being labeled for positive stuff. Like, is there anything wrong with being labeled as a super strong dude? No, absolutely not. You might be labeled as Shayla that can sing. Like, yeah, Shayla really can sing. Or, oh, you're talking about Avery. Avery that can cook. Or, oh, Peyton. Peyton that's super athletic and can dance. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. None of these labels are bad. But what happens is we sometimes allow our pride to control the narrative and be like, hey, you don't really need God anymore. Like you could do this by yourself. Like you are the man. You are the woman. And that's what happened with Samson. The second person that I want to look at is Rahab. And her label was the prostitute. Now think about this. How many of us are put into a category because of our sexuality? Oh, yeah, that's James, the gay dude. He said call him Jamie now. Or who? Amy? Oh, yeah, she's sweet. She for anybody. She'll let anybody smash. And the thing about these type of labels is we allow our sexuality and our feelings towards sex distance us from God. And we allow that label to become bigger than the label God has for us. But Rahab is unique. And here's something to take away from Rahab. Our past or our feelings don't define us or tell our future. It doesn't have to do that. Joshua chapter two is about how Rahab protected the Israelite spies from the king of Jericho when they were on a mission. And when the king's men of Jericho, they got wind about the spies being there, Rahab hid them in her roof. And then she told them, she told the, the people that came looking for the spies, she said, um, at dusk, 
when it was time to close the city gate, they they left. I don't know which way they went. You should go after them real quick, though. You may catch up with them. But before the spies went to bed, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. I'm paraphrasing. We have heard how your God is the stuff. We heard how he got you out of Egypt and how he parted the Red Sea so that you could walk through the sea. We heard about how he destroyed the two kings. I know your God is the real God. So please show kindness to my family. The spies gave her clear directions on how her and her family could be saved. This is in Joshua chapters two and six, if you wanted to read it. And just think about this. What would have happened if she allowed her harlot or prostitute label to define her? The next person that I want to look at is Thomas. Man, Thomas definitely gets a bad rep. And I've definitely said this before. He's called Doubting Thomas. Doubting was his label. And this is at the end of John chapter 20 that we're looking at. Now, to give you some perspective, I need you to put yourself in his shoes. You, We've all been in his shoes in some form or fashion. If you have ever made a mistake or made a horrible or egregious error, when you should have known better, like you were taught, like you had the knowledge, but you ignored the signs. And for some reason, you still failed. You still messed up. You still fell flat on your face. That's kind of the same thing as Thomas. And that's when we get that like guilty feeling that you feel in your stomach. And you're like, oh, this just don't feel good. This happened to all the disciples following Jesus. And it happened to Thomas. To me, he should be called confused hurt and in pain Thomas not doubting Thomas and you and I can relate so easily to this because when things don't go our way they don't go the way that we planned or we expected or we envisioned that's when the label of confused and hurt and in pain gets most of us that's when it gets most of us now I'm gonna read this to you John chapter 20 verse 24 it says now Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So to give you a little background, the disciples' world had just been flipped upside down. So think about this. They had been following Jesus for three years. They didn't understand this whole Jesus has to die. He has to pay a debt for all of our sins and he's going to rise in three days. That's not what they envisioned. That's not what they planned. And when it didn't go according to plan, they were confused, hurt, and they were in pain because they didn't expect him to die. They didn't expect it to go out like that. They didn't expect him to go out like that. Like, take a second to think about this. They saw their God, their Savior, their dude, Jesus. They saw him heal other people from the dead. They saw him feed thousands of people. They saw this man walk on water. So they didn't expect him to just give up himself like that. Like they were missing the memo when he was telling them this. And it says that even when the other disciples told Thomas, they said, hey, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And that label does fit uh, of doubting. But just think about how did he get to that label? His plans, his expectations and what he envisioned didn't happen. He doubted God's ultimate plan that God was still good, even though he was confused, even though he was hurt, even though he was in pain, even though it wasn't going like he thought it should go. Now, my question for you is, what are you planning or expecting or envisioning that God may be working differently towards you in your life that's causing you to have that label of doubt? And that's probably something that's common for every single one of us when things don't go as we necessarily envision them to go. Next on this episode of Label This, I want to look at my little homie Zacchaeus. And I don't know about y'all, but I definitely remember this song up in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm coming to your house today. I forgot the words. I messed it up. But you, you get the point. Now, Zacchaeus had the label of his looks, which is being a little dude. And I know how that is to be a little dude. And he also had the label of his job, which is Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Now, thinking about looks, looks really matter in our culture, in our society today. Good looking Greg that can pull any woman? Or are you talking about ugly Greg who gets no play? You talking about skinny Steve or fat Steve? We can easily overcompensate Oh, I'm oh, you think I'm ugly? Okay, watch. I'm gonna have sex with her and I'm gonna have sex with her. And he actually does. Or we can get in this rut and we can like give up. Like, I'm so fat. What's the point? Back to Zacchaeus, he had the label of being a chief tax collector to heart before he knew Jesus. Now it appears in Luke chapter 19 that he admitted to cheating people out of money to get and make himself wealthy. So it's one of those things where taxes cost $200. He could go up to somebody and be like, hey, you got to pay $300 for taxes. He could take 100 off the top, take the other 200, give it to the Roman government, pocket that other 100. And a lot of tax collectors at that time had the MO for doing that. In chapter 19, it also tells us that Zacchaeus was short and he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd being in his way. I know how this is as a little person. You got to be like, man, you got to find that cracker. Or you got to stand up on somebody or something. But you know what a lot of people will do? They'll be like, I didn't want to see anyway. This is what that label could have done for him and does to some of us. We act like we don't want it anyways. But what does the kids do? He climbed a tree since he wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't allow his label to make him stubborn or deny what he really did need. The last individual that I want to look at on this episode of Label This, we don't even have a name. It just says, the thief on the cross, criminal, rebel. Those are the labels. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 23 for this. 
And I just want you to think about this is one of those what we do or we don't do. And the thing about this label is this label is actually legit. And what we see with the thief on the cross, what we see with the criminal is he actually took ownership for why he got that label. Do you take ownership for some of the labels that you get? Bad breath branded because he doesn't floss and brush his teeth every day. Always lying Susie. Can't hold a job, Robert. And sometimes we get in a rut because there are consequences to things that we have done. The thief was on the cross because of his actions and the things he had done. The criminal on the cross, he realized something when he was on that cross dying. He realized something that all of us need to realize when he rebuked the other criminal on the cross who was insulting Jesus. To paint the picture for you, Jesus is dying on the cross for the sins of every single person who has existed or will exist in the world. He's got two criminals beside him that actually deserve to be hanging on the cross. And one of them gets to talking crazy to him. By the way, he was dying for the person that was insulting him too. But the one with the title or the label, I should say, that we'll give is the thief. He said to the other criminal, he said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's referring to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The thief on the cross, he realized he needed a savior and he realized that that savior was Jesus, even in the midst of paying for a consequence. Now, I usually complain during my consequences that I rightfully deserve. And I ask God, please take it away. Please take it away. But the thief on the cross, he remembered God's grace during his label and consequence. All of the individuals that we discussed today, they overcame their label. The first person we talked about was Samson. And at the end of Judges 16, after some major humbling moments, he asked God to remember him and to strengthen him. Key point to take away from him, be humble. Pride comes before the fall. Second one, Rahab, the prostitute. She was able to save her family and friends and end up being one of Jesus' great, 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 great grandmas. I don't know how many greats it is, but he, she's in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Key point from her, you are more than your sexuality. And with God, still can be used for greatness because he paid for the debt of all sins, including sins of sexuality. The third person, Thomas. Thomas is believed to be a major missionary and contributor to spreading the gospel. A lot of biblical scholars think that he may have traveled as far as east as India to spread the gospel. And he was willing to die for Jesus. And a lot of them believe that he died a martyr there. And the key point to take away from Thomas is don't allow our feelings or expectations to create a label apart from God's label for you and I. The fourth person, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, he stopped allowing his little title, little job to create distance in a relationship with Jesus. And the key point with this is we have to stop demanding God to change his stature and let's start changing ours in order to better position ourselves to see his grace, his mercy and his love. 
And the last one, the one we just talked about, the thief on the cross, he got a label he actually deserved and earned. And the key point to take away from this is even if we rightfully earned a label, the greatest and most important label we have is child of God. When we embrace labels that weren't given to us from God and or we start to exclude God, it creates a false sense of identity and sets us up for spiritual failure. And on this episode of Label This, I wanted to share this philosophy that I ended up adapting. Because what I notice is when we spend time and energy trying to prove our doubters wrong and going at our haters, we forget to love and embrace the people who love us. We forget to live up to the idea that God has for us. I adapted this mindset that I'm not dying to prove my doubters wrong. I'm living to prove my believers right. And people are like, well, you always can have haters. You always gonna have people that doubt you. But at the same time, you you actually might not because sometimes people just don't care. So, so what is that? But you do have someone who always believes in you and always loves you and always wants the best for you. And that's our God. And to close this, know the label that we have. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And then I also want to leave you with this. This is from Galatians 4, chapter 7. This is from the message paraphrased version of the Bible. It says, thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave? but a child of God. And if you are a child, you are also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Label This. Peace Punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.